Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Ford has put the stock back in stock car, and now you can register for your chance to be Ford Performance's VIP guest and watch the NASCAR Next Gen Mustang hit the track for the first time in 2022. One grand prize winner and their guest will receive a trip for two to Daytona Beach with VIP access. Ford Performance driver meet and greets, round trip airfare, and more. Register now through November 7th at FordNextGen.com. That's FordNextGen.com. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Trying to go three in a row one more time around the Kansas Speedway. Kyle Larson putting this field in a hammerlock one more time here at Kansas. Off to turn number two. He'll ring the bell again. Young Money for the final time. Here he comes. He's halfway up the back straightaway. Free and clear of the lap traffic. Kyle Larson at the entrance of three. Eight isn't enough. Kyle Larson looking for number nine out of turn four. He exits turn number four. No traffic out of the windshield. Checkered flag in the air. Kyle Larson wins the Hollywood Casino 400 at Kansas Speedway. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 1952 by Xfinity XFi, internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. And by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we get ready to set sail into a Halloween weekend at Martinsville. We're getting ready to decide who's going to run for a championship the following weekend in Phoenix. We've got some work to do this weekend in Virginia. Joey Logano is going to join us. Joey right now is trying to make his way into the championship four. He's out by 26 points going in. Same is the case for Daniel Hemrick. He's trying to run for a championship as well, but the good news for Daniel is he's seven points above the cut line coming into Martinsville this weekend, and he's trying to hang on to that fourth and final precious spot in the championship four. We're going to look back at some Martinsville mayhem from years past, plus we're also going to chat with Stuart Friesen of the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Stu is trying to make his way in. He's five points out as he tries to be a championship contender. We get into the spooky spirit by hearing some of the driver's favorite Halloween stories. And we're going to preview the race weekend at Martinsville 
and a whole lot more. But to get us going on this week's show, as he always does, Kyle Ricky is here with the latest headlines in NASCAR Nation. Kyle, what do you have for us this week? Mike, only two races remain in the 2021 season, and NASCAR is using today to prepare for the first race of 2022. NASCAR is conducting a test of the next-gen race car at the historic Bowman Gray Stadium in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. The test is intended to get the car ready for the season-opening Bush Clash at the L.A. Coliseum on a similar stadium surface. Familiar names were behind the wheel at today's test. Tony Stewart conducted the tire test in the morning, with Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Clint Boyer driving the car in the afternoon session. The 2022 Bush Clash takes place at the Los Angeles Coliseum two weeks ahead of the Daytona 500 on February 6th. Ross Chastain has come close to winning his first NASCAR Cup Series race in 2021, and he will bring his same crew chief with him in 2022. Phil Sturgeon confirmed late Monday night that he will make the move to Trackhouse Racing with Chastain next season. Chastain will drive the number one Trackhouse Racing Chevrolet next year, signing with the team after his current team at Chip Ganassi Racing was purchased by Trackhouse. In other crew chief news, Tyler Allen will serve as crew chief for Christopher Bell this weekend at the Martinsville Speedway. Bell's normal crew chief, Adam Stevens, was suspended for two loose lug nuts following last Sunday's race in Kansas. Allen typically serves as the 20 team's lead engineer. MRN will have full coverage of Sunday's Xfinity 500 NASCAR Cup Series race from Martinsville Speedway starting at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we'll hear from Joey Logano, and later, we'll look back at some Martinsville mayhem. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! greater things this year everyone plays a part be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing toyota let's go places nascar is a registered trademark of national association for stock car auto racing inc Whelan would like to congratulate Kyle Larson and his number 500 motorsports pit crew for the win at kansas speedway they are the Whelan pit crew of the week Following the victory, Larson boasted of high confidence among team members just two weeks away from the championship race in Phoenix. I'm glad that we're you know, peaking again at a, at a good point in the season. But like I said, it's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough series. And yeah, there, were, there was, yeah, I, I don't feel like I had the best car today and, and we won. So um, I just think it's a team sport and our team is performing at a very high level. And uh, I think the confidence that we gain each and every week is a big factor. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, trusted to perform since 1952. Now, back to your host, Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Joey Logano was one of the few playoff drivers to not have an issue at Kansas as he walked away with a ninth place finish in the Hollywood Casino 400, but he still finds himself 26 points below the cut line heading into the Xfinity 500 this weekend at Martinsville after a blown engine the previous week at Texas. I had a chance to catch up with Joey to discuss how he handles the pressure of this playoff format and more. So we talk about the pressure for teams, for crew chiefs, for drivers in the playoffs. Can you describe 
how the pressure in the last 10 races is different from the 26 races leading up and how the pressure changes with inside the last 10? Well, it, it, it changes. <laughs> There's a lot more on the line in the, in the last 10, but you want to have that pressure. I, I always go back every playoff. So this is kind of like my normal quote, but pressure is a privilege. And that is, there, there is not a more true statement than that. Uh, when, when you think about it, you want to have pressure on you as an individual. That means you matter. That means things that, that what's going on is means a lot. Uh, you know, if you don't make the playoffs and you don't have no pressure on you, well, that's not fun. You know, like, hey, you might be relaxed and you're having a, you know, time, but what do you, you're not racing for as much. It makes it a little bit, you, you feel like you, you're, you want to be in every round all the way to the championship four. Like you want, when you look at that 10 weeks, you want to have pressure on you all the way through Phoenix. And anything less than that is looked at as a failure. So, I, I mean, I look at it and say, man, you know, I love the pressure on us. I also feel like it makes me better as a driver. I think it makes our team better all the way through. Um, because when you're in a do or die situation, you find a lot more, right? You never know how fast you can run until you're running from a bear, you know? And then you see how fast you can run. It's, it's the same situation. Maybe swimming from a shark. <laughs> How do you deal with it, though? How do you manage it? And do you need time to break away from it, to kind of gather yourself, to get yourself prepared to deal with pressure when you come back to the racetrack? How do you manage this pressure that's ramping up? I, I think you just learned to deal with it, um, and you learn to love it. I don't really step away from it. Uh, it's on me, and... If there's ever not pressure on me, I will find a way to put pressure on me. It's just it's the way I live. Uh, I, I don't know any other way. Um, you know, I think of even early in my career, you know, moving up as young as I did, uh, that's a lot of pressure, right? And, and I've learned to just live that way. Uh, and being able to turn things on and off is very important, I think, to being able to deal with it. You know, when you go to work, you go to work. When you go home, you go home. Uh, there, there's it's either 100% or not at all. There, I don't have a, you know, I'm gonna do 20% of something in a day. I gotta, when I go, I go. And and I think that's healthy for, for me <laughs> at home, uh, that when I spend time with my wife and kids, that's it. I, I'm not talking about racing. Uh, my wife and I never talk about racing together <laughs> at all, unless, unless I have some kind of issue that I, I'd like her advice about, but we never talk about it. Uh, I go to work to go to work and, and I, I handle things you know here when I need to um, but after that that's it you touched on this earlier in our interview that you're going to have to be aggressive to get it you're known by nature as being aggressive are we taking it up a few notches here and how do you become more aggressive without being reckless all at the same time uh, there's always a balance to it you know and, and I, I wouldn't say reckless is the right word to it right Re reckless would be just driving like an idiot <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not looking to do that <laughs> you know reckless driving down the highway you get in trouble for you know so it's, it's it's not doing that type of thing it's maybe taking bigger risks on the racetrack where you know typically a driver knows that hey i have a certain percentage of making this move work you know going into the corner side by side when someone's door to door with you or you know, you, you may back off and, and try to position that car in a different place. 
um, you may not stick your nose, you know, on the outside of a car coming off the corner thinking they might they might chop you on the exit and, and wreck both of you. Well, those are the things that, that will change. You know, if, if my nose is there, I'm not lifting. Uh, you know, that, that's going to be the, the situation um, in those, those spots, right? So the aggression level goes up. I wouldn't say it's just reckless, like, get out of the way, I'm going to hit you and wreck you or, or, or something like that. I think it's still methodical, uh, but the level of aggression goes up. Coming up, we look back at some of the moments that have defined playoff racing at Martinsville and later, Daniel Hemrick will stop by. Sir, are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, it did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Short track racing always seems to flare some tempers up. That intensity then goes up a few more notches when it's your last chance to get into the championship four. Let's look back at some of the mayhem at Martinsville that has happened in recent years. The NASCAR Cup Series playoffs challenge drivers in a daunting manner, narrowing the field each week until only four drivers are left to race for a championship. And while every track is difficult, one in particular tends to cause its own brand of mayhem every year. Trouble on the backstretch. Kevin Harvick is slowing down. One of our playoff drivers has slowed, and he's coming to pit Bob lane. Morris, NASCAR laying down a penalty on Chase Elliott. Yeah. Joey Logano, a little bit of smoke off the side of that machine. He's got a cut tire. He slides up the wall, keeps it off the safer And barrier. we've got a conflict down here. We've got a couple of crew members down here. Denny Hamlin is arguing, fighting with a couple of crew members. So it's Denny Hamlin, and it looks like some of the Shell Pennzoil guys. I don't see. Okay, here's Joey Logano. He is John with Denny. Martinsville. The half mile causes trouble for playoff drivers and even ends championship hopes for some. For a prime example, one need look no further than 2020. It was the first time Martinsville's paperclip-style layout had been used as a cutoff race, and it created havoc. Kevin Harvick had dominated the season, visiting Victory Lane nine times. Practically everyone had him in their final four and most likely thought he would win his second championship. But Martinsville had other plans for Harvick. Trouble on the backstretch. Kevin Harvick is slowing down. One of our playoff drivers has slowed, and he's coming to pit lane. Yes, yeah, a left rear tire looks like that's the one that's down, and they're just going to do left side tires. He's pitted just behind the start finish line. Caution flies on the speedway now for the tenth time today for James Davison, who's come to a rest outside turn two, and the driver that gets the free pass is Kevin Harvick. He's back on the lead lap. Here it comes Brad Keselowski. He'll come across the line and finish fourth. Further back, eyes are on Kevin Harvick and they're crashing. Kyle Busch and Harvick crash. Harvick will not get to the finish line. Hamlin passes him. Denny Hamlin will get in to the playoffs. Kevin Harvick will not make the playoffs. Chase Elliott would go on to win his first championship at Phoenix while Kevin Harvick missed the championship four and, in fact, has yet to go to victory lane in 2021. 2019 was equally chaotic. 
several playoff drivers found trouble on the racetrack. Well, coming out of the garage and out onto the racetrack is Chase Elliott in the number nine Chevrolet Camaro. Many, many, many laps down. In fact, it'll take a calculator that Alex Hayden has uh, 52 laps down. That is a monumental mountain to clear here, especially when you're talking about Martinsville Speedway. All they could do, Alex, I mean, let's just... Trouble up. off the turn number four. Kyle Busch and Eric Almarola were leaning hard on one another. Other cars get collected. Kyle Larson gets a piece of it. You got Kurt Busch with some damage. Jimmy Johnson has damage. Ryan Priest is facing the wrong way. Joey Logano, a little bit of smoke off the side of that machine. He's got a cut tire. He slides up the wall, keeps it off the safer barrier, tries to spit it out, saves it in turn four and continues. And two playoff drivers attracted attention after the checkered flag had flown. And we've got a conflict down here. We've got a couple of crew members down here. Denny Hamlin is arguing, fighting with a couple of crew members. So it's Denny Hamlin, and it looks like some of the Shell Pennzoil guys. I don't see. Okay, here's Joey Logano. He is John with Denny Hamlin. Look, Logano and Hamlin, some security people. Chris Gabehart, the crew chief for Denny Hamlin. Tried to we'll catch the word with Denny. Denny, first off, what happened here after the race with you and Joey? Well, we were fine. We were talking, but then he thought he was cool and wanted to have the last word and do a little finger poke and then run away. So, I don't, you know, if you want to talk, let's talk. If you want to fight, let's fight, but don't run away. Joey Logano, uh, a bit of heated tempers after the race. Your perspective on what happened? I got fenced <laughs> down the straightaway there and uh, just went to talk about it. And was a little frustrated about the situation and just, uh, I don't know, I went down to talk to him and didn't really get the answers I was looking for. 2018's race put Clint Boyer below the cutoff line, and Martin Truex Jr. spent the entire race chasing Joey Logano. Some of the progress that was made by Martin Truex Jr. on the start of this race, coming from 33rd starting spot, was just given up. He got boxed in on his pit box, had to put the car in reverse and back up to get out of his box. That's how tight things are down here. Same with Question Bubba. right now, will there be damage on Clint Boyer's car? Right front damage, possibly. He hammered William Byron as he was trying to exit. Byron was trying to come in, turn him around. Trouble, turn three. Around goes Clint Boyer on the nose of the Jimmy Johnson machine. They got into turn three in close quarters. Three wide, there was contact. Johnson up the racetrack, clips the left rear corner of the Clint Boyer machine. And now he will light the rear. Here again, Truex on the move off turn two. Martin Truex Jr.'s got room to the inside of Brad Keselowski. Here comes MTJ to the bottom. The battle for the second spot. They're side by side into turn three. Boy, it is on now. Truex down to the inside of Brad. They lean on one another coming off turn number four. While they do that, Joey Logano trying to get away. The problem is lap traffic dead ahead. Yeah, Logano's not going anywhere right now. Now, Truex has taken the second spot. Martin Truex Jr. now puts the crosshairs on the back bumper of the Shell Pennzoil Ford. Logano closing on lap traffic. Here they come off turn number four. Joey Logano opens the path, gets around some slower cars. Right behind him, Truex and Brad Keselowski. Martin Truex. And who can forget Chase Elliott's playoff dreams being crushed in 2017 at Martinsville. Brad on the outside, Chase Elliott will dive it down to the inside. Contact between the two, Elliott digs hard to the bottom of the racetrack. 
They are side by side on the back back straightaway. Chase Elliott to the inside. Keselowski to the outside. They bang. Keselowski all the way to the wall. Here comes Hamlin to the bottom on Elliott. Chase Elliott has the lead. Denny Hamlin on the attack. And Kyle Busch is there as well. Here they come out of turn number two. Elliott with the lead. But Hamlin has a wheel to the inside. Elliott gets the drag off turn number two. Chase Elliott to the lead. Hamlin second. Kyle Busch. Oh, Elliott spins. And he slams the outside retaining wall. Chase Elliott spins on the, uh, in the late going and knocks the wall down in turn four. Well, Denny Hamlet jacked up the 24. Make no mistake about that, Rusty Wallace. They were racing down the back straightaway. Chase Elliott with the race lead, and I think Denny used Chase for brakes. Everybody's adrenaline was sky high, and Denny went into turn three and just never lifted. Hit him in the back so hard, knocked up on the wall. I hate that for Chase Elliott, but you could see it coming. Everybody was so amped up. It was just unbelievable. Terrible finish right now for Chase Elliott. Which playoff drivers will find trouble at Martinsville this year? Will the championship four be a surprise combination? Only Martinsville holds those answers. Coming up, Daniel Hemrick will join us. We'll talk NASCAR Xfinity Series racing with him and later. We take one last look at the championship bubble. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We're heading into Martinsville, the Cup Series, the Xfinity Series, and the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Let's talk Xfinity Series racing for a moment. Daniel Hemrick holds a narrow seven-point lead over Justin Haley for the final spot in the Xfinity Series Championship 4 heading into Martinsville. Our Steve Post chatted with Daniel about what it would mean to finally get that race win and a championship, plus his future plans as well. Daniel Hemrick joins us here on NASCAR Live as we continue on through the 2021 season. Daniel, how are you? I'm good, man. It's a beautiful morning here in North Carolina. Just uh, watched all the deer walk across the backyard. Try to keep them fed for my little girl, Ren, so she can be in awe by their uh, beauty every morning. And yeah, all's good. All right, so your trademark in the Legends car was you'd get on the door and you'd do a backflip, okay? When you win that Xfinity Series race, will a 30-year-old Daniel Hemrick even think about that, or is that in the past now? Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit seasoned, for sure, uh, since... Uh, since my last one, but I tell you, I've been really, you know, putting into work at, um, at you know, our Toyota training facility. Uh, actually, just yesterday, you know, we actually have a couple of interns throughout the year. One of them got wind at the backflip, and they said, man, can you still do it? I said, yeah. They said, no, 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 like, right here on the ground. So I bust one out there, flat foot on the ground, and, and I'm like, yeah, I can still do it. I, I feel like I've, I've got it in my back pocket. So, yeah, I, I feel good about that opportunity. It'd be a heck of a thing to have to decide on, but, um, yeah, I've always said that, you know, the goal was to be able to, to do one of those at one of the top three series. And, you know, that that grind and that that dream is still alive. And let's talk a little bit about Martinsville, Virginia, this weekend. You finished third there in the spring with a with a wounded race car, if you will. That was a weird race. I, I just watched the highlights, actually. We started on Friday night and we ended a day or two later or sometime. But um, but just kind of your thoughts and your your optimism as you head into Martinsville this weekend. Yeah, there's a couple, a couple of you know things that really stick out. Obviously, we started that race, you know, at nighttime, um, low 60s. Uh, I think the forecast right now is similar to that. Um, you know, when when it's cooler like that and the lights come on, 
I don't think the track tends to take as much rubber. Um, so if a fast race car really, really shows up, you know, versus when we came back there in the spring after the night, you know, getting rained out, coming back the next day, it was 10 degrees warmer, rubber started laying down. Then you really have to start manipulating the rubber and changing what you're doing. So yeah, it's a couple of things that we've had to really focus on in our preparation uh, from, from my standpoint to our sim to um, just how we we're, you know, going about, you know, changing or um, keeping our race bar close to what it was in the spring. But yeah, even with the damage we had, you know, we drove, you know, from having that damage back up to, I think, third uh, by the end of the race. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, man, I, I went into there in the spring telling Dave Rogers, like, hey, for whatever reason, everybody can talk about my background or whatever, but this is like a weak track, like probably my weakest racetrack. And I felt that way, um, if, you know, and I left the Cup Series there in 2019, having a decent run there. I think I ran 11th or 12th. And that day I thought some stuff clicked for me and it was fun to go back now in the Xfinity car for the first time, like I said, this spring since the Cup deal and, and have some success. Dave Rogers really built an incredible, you know, probably bank Toyota Supra. And um, yeah, I look forward to building on that as we go this weekend. That strikes me as strange because your the early years was a flat quarter mile track on the front stretch of Charlotte Motor Speedway where the gas, where the brake and everything like that. It just strikes me as strange that Martinsville's been a challenge for you. It really, it really has. I, and I think as I, as I've gone through my career and, and kind of learned some of the nuances of the concrete versus the asphalt, um, I think I had a little bit tough time. And I think a lot of people tell you the transitions on the more so on the braking side, uh, I had a hard time, you know, really feeling what I needed, um, and then translating that to to roll speed and, you know, but once you figure that out, then you can use the other stuff that you did, you know, growing up on those quarter miles. There are, you know, manipulation of the pedals and things that you can do in car placement to help yourself excel. But, you know, getting through that initial feel that it takes or the initial, you know, if you don't know it, you don't know it. Um, and ha been, have an opportunity to, like I said, have a decent run in 19 the cup car, go back to the spring, kind of solidify what I feel as a driver there and hopefully over that hump to go give ourselves a shot. Overall, Daniel, when we get to this point in the season and, and you've been here before, what's what's just the, the, the race day intensity like? What's the, is, I mean, do you, you're, you're, you're chilled out on Tuesday, you've been watching deer, getting ready to go golfing, but on race day, is it, is it different than during the regular portion of the season at this point? Um, as much as I say no, I think the ones around me say it is, you know, I, I think they see there's something, you know, like look in your eye or something, um, you know, more so within the last two to three hours leading up to race time, obviously you've got to be able to compartmentalize, you know, we still do, you know, limited, but we do some meet and greets and, and we see some folks and you got to be yourself in those moments. You can't, they're not as much as you want them to understand, like, Hey, I'm in a, I'm in the middle or near the end of the playoffs. We got a chance. And this intensity of me being, you know, you'll hate to come across rude, but me being this intense is not me. Well, that's not their job to differentiate that, right? So you got to be, still be yourself, be welcome and be um, enjoyable to be around. Um, but I think being able to flip that switch once, once the national anthem time comes, um, being able to have that last one-on-one -on -one conversation with your team, you know, that's for me when, when that happens. And, um, I like to think of that moment. I was as, as intense as anybody and have one goal in mind. As a guy who interviews all of you racers during that time, I marvel at how you do that. And, and you do it well because you, you're you happy. You give us great answers. And I just know, you know, that it's like 
you know, I, I just know the intensity is there. So, um, so it's, a, it's a skill set. It really is. It's it, it's cool. And and as I say, someone who interacts a lot with all you guys, it's uh, it, it's appreciated. And I understand you're, you're you're able to do it. Finally, Daniel, when we look at this, you're in an interesting situation. You're with Joe Gibbs Racing. You're running for a championship. You got a great group of guys there, but you're moving on to College Racing next year. How do you balance it? Do you do you do you, do you see stuff? Do you watch what Colleg is doing? How do you how do you balance all of that? That's that's a that's a great question, and I think it's got to be a, a good balance. Um, I know for me, it's a great balance. It's knowing that I know what's happening. You know, after the checkered flag falls, I know where the work begins um, moving forward. It's not always been the case, you know. And I know so many racers out there have been in a very similar situation. There's guys in that situation now, um, but for me knowing that's established lets me 100% be all in on you know gosh I can't believe I only got two races left all in on these last two races and and know that you know these guys have you know literally I got a call from Dave Rogers last week 9pm they were still in the Hawkeye there at JGR getting my Kansas car ready um, that's incredible right but, you know they so some of them don't, don't know what they're doing um, on my team next year they're sitting here laying all on the line for me because they have one goal in mind and that's what we set out to do at the beginning of the year. So it's cool to see that intensity. It's cool to see that dedication from them to me and, and our race team and everyone at Joe Gibbs Racing has been that way even since the announcement. So I'm very, very thankful for that. And obviously knowing uh, the opportunity I have at, at Colleague, you know, the men and women at Colleague, you know, Matt Colleague, Chris Rice, uh, the program they've built there is pretty incredible in such short time. And I um, look forward to knowing I'll be a part of that building process, you know, moving forward. And you're right, on the racetrack, I, I do pay attention to to some of their stuff. Obviously, like AJ and I, you know, we ran each other hard, really hard uh, for the stage win in the stage one last week. And, and I've been around their cars and, and seen them at times. And, um, you know, I, I may or may not have a small little notebook, mental notebook and, and physical notebook made of questions I have after the season ends um, on things I see. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, I'm worried about myself, everyone that's 18 team and uh, finishing the job ahead. Thank you, Postman. Coming up, we'll preview this weekend's races at Martinsville and later Stuart Friesen will join us. This is NASCAR Live. Now back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. So glad you're spending time with us here on the Motor Racing Network. Heading into Martinsville, we have four drivers within seven points of each other as they likely fight for just one spot in the championship four. Let's preview Sunday's NASCAR Cup Series Xfinity 500. The 2021 NASCAR Cup Series playoff round of eight meets its conclusion this weekend at the Martinsville Speedway as three spots remain in the championship four at Phoenix following yet another dominant performance by Kyle Larson last weekend in Kansas. Although he's locked into the championship four, like last week, don't expect Larson to let up. Knowing that I have a shot to race for a championship, like the anticipation definitely rises each day. Um, so in a way, yes, I wish we could just go to Phoenix tomorrow and get it done and get racing. But I am excited to get to Martinsville. <laughs> I'm always excited to get to Martinsville until I start turning laps and I realize that I, you know, not learned anything from the times before. But um yeah, we, we ran good there earlier this year, ran fifth, finished fifth. Um, so, you know, now we've got the number one pit stall, I would imagine, and starting for the pole, and hopefully we can stay up front and, and 
trying to win in my my toughest racetrack. The reigning champion from 2020, Chase Elliott, heads to the paperclip on a solid footing after a runner-up finish at Kansas. Elliott is 32 points to the good as he eyes another chance at a championship next weekend. Can he recreate the magic of a year ago where he raced his way into the championship four with a win at Martinsville? You know, super interesting. When I when I first started going there, you know, really, really, really struggled um, at, at Martinsville and, and just couldn't find a rhythm and was always kind of searching for something that I just couldn't extract out of our car. Um, spent a lot of time, you know, we, we got we had a test up there at one point in time. Um, you know, tried to lean on Jeff and Jimmy and, and those guys to, to help and, you know, tried to kind of pick apart things that I felt like they did really good, um, but also kind of stick to the things that I like uh, in the car too. And I feel like we, we got to a place um, there for the last few races at least that, you know, it, uh, it married up nicely and we were able to, able to have some good finishes. So hopefully we can do that again and, and um, you know, have a solid car and put ourselves in a, in a good spot to have a chance. Denny Hamlin also came away from Sunday's mayhem that saw a multitude of playoff drivers run into major issues with his championship dream intact. Kyle Busch sits one point above Ryan Blaney in the fourth spot, followed by Martin Truex Jr. and Brad Kozlowski, who are three and six points below the cutoff, respectively, and can race their way in without a win on Halloween. On the other side of the coin, Joey Logano knew going into the race weekend at Kansas that anything short of a victory wouldn't be enough. Surely his mindset is the same as the number 22 team prepares for the season's penultimate race. Pretty simple at this point. What we need to do is it's just go win. And, you know, in, in ways, you know, I'm trying to find silver linings out of this. In ways, having a clear goal on what to do uh, might might actually play into our hands and be an advantage in ways. Um, you know, right, right now, if, if you're trying to point your way in, you're trying to do both. You're trying to win the race, but we got to get a lot of points. We can't afford to give up stage points. So it, and, and it becomes sometimes a little confusing and you have to make a compromise. We don't have to make compromise because finishing second and 35th, whatever, doesn't make a difference. Winning is the only thing that makes a difference. So. You know, I think that will uh, definitely come into play and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just plan to be aggressive in every single department we could possibly be aggressive in to try to make that win happen. The Motor Racing Network has all the coverage from Martinsville Speedway this weekend, starting Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time with the United Rentals 200 for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, followed later that evening by the Dead On Tools 250 a part of the NASCAR Xfinity Series at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Finally on Sunday, the NASCAR Cup Series wraps up the weekend with the Xfinity 500, with coverage beginning at 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in all weekend to MRN to find out who will race for a championship next weekend at Phoenix. Coming up, we'll talk NASCAR Camping World Truck Series racing with Stuart Friesen, and later we get the driver's favorite memories of Halloween. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. 
Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The NASCAR Camping World Truck Series is on display this weekend at the Martinsville Speedway. And NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver Stuart Friesen is currently the first driver on the outside looking into the championship four. Heading into Martinsville, he needs to gain five points on defending champ Sheldon Creed. Stuart Friesen sat down with our Woody Kane to talk about it. Stuart Friesen is with us. He heads to Martinsville this weekend in the Camping World Truck Series playoffs. The last chance for guys to lock themselves in to that championship race coming up in Phoenix. And Stuart, let's start with the math. You're fifth in the standings, one spot out of that championship four, but you're only five points back to Creed. Sheldon Creed, the defending champ. Do you go into this race thinking, man, I got to pay close attention to those guys and the math or just go out and try to win the thing? I think we just go in with the, with the mindset we're going to try to win um, and have a good day, you know, collect some stage points, which have been, you know, pretty crucial throughout the playoffs. Um, we've been pretty good at collecting stage points and uh, we'll, we'll try to go and, and run up front all day and, and, um, and, and, and race our butts off. That's what it's all about. Get there and then you can do whatever you want after the reset. But right. tell me a little about racing the truck at Martinsville. You were six there a year ago and that's just Boy, old school short track racing in a truck, right? It is. We we had some good speed there. We won a stage uh, last year, and uh, you know, beat and banged throughout it, and and, and come up with a sixth. So um, it'll be wild. Uh, you know, there's always going to be pushing and shoving. Um, it seems like the pack is even tighter now. Uh, when we went to the Ilmore NT1 engines a couple of years ago, um, you know, but but our guys have been working hard. Trip and Jonathan, uh, all our guys that you know, the HFR shop in Statesville. Um, you know, they're, they're all, all in, you know, it's a bunch of good hardcore racers and, um, you know, we're going with a, with a positive, uh, mindset and, and, you know, we're optimistic to have another fast truck there and, and, and hopefully come out with a, with either a win or a top five and enough points to, uh, get to Phoenix. Do you feel like your team is, is kind of peaking at the right time? Because I was looking back through the stats and you had four straight top 10 finishes before uh, getting some damage at Talladega, but that can happen to anybody at any time at Talladega. So I'm, I'm curious if you feel like you guys have kind of clicked on something here down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's been a lot of hard work the last two seasons, a uh, year, year and a half, I guess, um, since, you know, we left GMS, went out on our own. Um, with Chris Larson, Trip, myself, we, you know, we started this team from the ground up, um, found a building, you know, got associated with, with the guys at TRD who have been, you know, awesome. Uh, everybody at Helmar has been, been awesome as usual. And um, it's just been a work in progress, building trucks, um, you know, tweaking them and, and fine tuning and, and just, um, you know, finding the speed I know we were capable of. Um, you know, coming from GMS and having that opportunity to run really fast trucks over there. Um, at least I knew what I was looking for, you know, and, and, and when we got started, you know, we'd miss on this or that and didn't really put the whole package together. Uh, and throughout the summer this year, I knew what we were capable of and, uh, and it just, you know, all linked at the right time for the playoffs. And, um, you know, we started out running with, running the top five again. And, um, you know, I think it wins right around the corner. Uh, hey, listen, I saw something that you're, uh, you've been promoting recently that's coming up, the, uh, the AIM Autism Golf uh, Tournament coming up. Uh, I think it's mid-November. Tell folks what's going on there and how they can get involved and help out. Yeah, uh, aim-autism.com. Uh, uh, check us out on there on Facebook. Um, it's, a, it's a foundation that myself and, and my wife, Jessica, uh, along with Chris and Colleen Larson from Helmar, um, started. And it's just to raise money um, for families uh, with children or, or, or other family members that are on the um, autism spectrum, spectrum and um, that have been diagnosed and kind of don't know what to do next. Uh, when our son Parker was diagnosed at a year and a half, 
you know, they said he can, you know, really benefit from some ABA therapy. And uh, we were like, okay, what's that? How do we get it? How do we go about it? Um, so we've done some uh, fundraising in the past uh, that to benefit Crossroads Center for Children that helped Parker immensely. Uh, he just started kindergarten this year and is doing excellent, loves school, uh, loves his teachers, all his classmates, and is having a good time with it. And he just benefited so much from that ABA um, that we want to help spread the word and um, help by raising some money that we can give back to families and, and, and uh, different schools and centers um, to help support the cause. So uh, we have the big golf tournament going on at, at Trump National um, in Mooresville. Um, Trip Bruce and, and um, his sister Beth, uh, who does a lot of front office stuff at HFR, have been really working hard putting it together. Uh, we have a whole bunch of NASCAR personalities involved, um, a big dinner, auction items, um, so it's really going to be a cool event. So uh, there's still uh, openings for teams to sign up. And how it's going to work is that it's a captain and crew deal where you'll get paired with a NASCAR guy. Um, Michael Waltrip's involved. He's going to MC it. Steve Park, um, Tyler Reddick just called the other day. He's going to play um, amongst others. Sheldon, Brett, uh, Brett Moffitt. So it's going to be uh, a good big event. And uh, we're looking forward to having some fun and, and raising some money. I know you're right in the thick of a, the playoff battle here and you got all your dirt track stuff going on, but have you looked ahead at 2022 yet? What's ahead? What's going on there? Yeah, um, you know, we're going to be back in the truck series uh, with our Toyotas, with, our, with the new Tundra. Looking forward to, uh, you know, getting some new noses and tails. Uh, slapped on our trucks, building some new stuff over the off season and, um, you know, regrouping and going back at them again. Um, along with that, we'll do just as many dirt modified races as we can do and then uh, throw in maybe a couple dirt late model uh, races in there as well. So, um, you know, looking forward to uh, working with Chris Larson again. Um, he's been not only a team owner, but a great friend and, and leader and, and, and mentor. And um, we'll be back again to, uh, you know, to have some more fun. Absolutely. Well, Stuart, congratulations on a fine season. No matter what happens over these next two weeks, it's been a really good year and good luck at Martinsville. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Woody. Coming up, the drivers tell us what they're looking forward to on Halloween. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We'll be racing Sunday at Martinsville, but that won't stop the drivers from getting in the Halloween spirit we got their takes on the best and worst Halloween candy and more. Here comes Eric Almarola mounting a charge around the outside. Favorite Halloween costume growing up as a kid. Uh, <laughs> I think I grew, I think I dressed up as Barry Larkin, the shortstop, the baseball player for the Cincinnati Reds who played shortstop. Four and win number four on the season. Truex across the line. Checkered flag flies. Probably a cowboy or something like that. Do you believe it? And here comes Alex Bowman, and he will win this afternoon. Uh, my favorite Halloween costume that I ever had as a kid was, it was like, you remember how everybody had those scream masks? But I got the one that had, like, the little pump and then, like, blood would go down across the mask. That was, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Here comes Chase Elliott with the race lead for the final time. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, my favorite Halloween costume. I feel like, I don't know, I was really into it. I was a vampire one year. I remember for some reason that one sticks out. I was just big into vampires at one, at one point in my life and that was fantastic. So I, I 
I took a lot of pride in that one. Denny Hamlin in the winless streak will end tonight at the Darlington Raceway. Well, I've been forced into it, honestly. Um, you know, when you're, the kids always want to do a theme uh, and I'm just like, well, let me just be whoever I want to be and no, I have to be a part of a theme. So uh, I would say uh, maybe the Lady in the Tramp one. Uh, that was probably one of my favorites. Christopher Bell muscles his way to the inside of Joey Logano, and Christopher Bell takes the race lead away. The best Halloween candy is Reese's. The worst is Sour Patch Kids. Ryan Blaney will see the caution flag and the checkered flag. The worst Halloween candy to me is candy corn. Uh, yep, what do you like that? And <laughs> the best, man, I don't know. Uh, I was a big uh, like Laffy Taffy fan as a kid, so but yeah, candy corn that's I would rather eat like vegetables and candy corn. It's terrible. Dominating performance this afternoon for William Byron. He and Rudy Fugel sending an early season message to the rest of the garage. Best Halloween candy, probably those uh, like gummy Krabby Patties, <laughs> pretty good. Um, and then the worst is probably. Um, the worst is probably, oh, the, um, the coconut chocolate, I forget what they're called, mounds. Not a, oh, mounds, okay, yeah. Yeah. And Kevin Harvick is going to get there first, oh, but a matter of inches over Austin Dillon. Uh, the worst Halloween candy are those little caramel corn things, I don't like those, I think that's what they're called, and the I would always prefer, I'd say probably Reese's Pieces or Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. That would probably be my my choice of best candy. Three wide up the middle, it's Kurt Busch to the lead on the backstretch. <laughs> my favorite Halloween candy is Starburst. Loved lemon when I was a kid. Cherry is probably the go-to. Uh, now strawberry is, is one of my favorites and the worst is candy corn. I still can't figure that out. Kyle Busch now tiptoeing through the tulips. He's got no challengers on the back door. <laughs> well, the best Halloween candy, obviously, is anything Mars product. So you have a lot of variety to choose from, whether it be M&M's, Skittles, Snickers, Milky Way, Starburst. Uh, we're all over the board, so we've got you covered there. As far as the worst ones go, anything that's not Mars. Nobody in front of him, checkered flag in the air, and Kyle Larson wins the Dryden 400 at the Monster Mile in Dover. I'm not really like a candy person, but um, uh, yeah. I guess Reese's peanut butter cups are the best. The worst, probably the candy corn. Joey Logano goes to the outside. Here comes Harvick. It's not going to be enough. And Joey Logano wins the Hollywood Casino 400 at Kansas Speedway. I'm a sucker for some Kit Kats. You got the Kit Kats, that's good. One great thing about having a son that's ready to go trick or treat now, dad gets some candy too. So that's that's pretty good. The worst, uh, I don't know about the, the worst candy to get. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, all right, well, fine with it all. Kind of a junk food guy, <laughs> kind of like it. <laughs> the winner of the 63rd running of the Daytona 500 is indeed Michael McDowell. Best Halloween candy is Snickers. The worst Halloween candy is those little 
what are those little pumpkin things? What are those things called? Candy corns are horrible. They're horrible. Tyler Reddick on his way to becoming a two-time NASCAR Xfinity Series champion. I'm on, I'm, I have an unpopular opinion. My favorite is candy corn. I know. I don't think a lot of people like that one. The worst? I don't know if there is one, honestly. Apples, maybe? Can we get an apple? That's the only thing I can think of, maybe. There's, yeah, there really isn't a worst. They're all good. Uh, will it be tricks or treats this weekend at Martinsville? We'll all find out together. We'd like to thank Joey Logano for joining us. Also, our thanks to Daniel Hemrick and Stuart Friesen. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for being a part of this week's show as well. Buckle up, everybody. It's going to be a great weekend at Martinsville. We'll talk about it all next week right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Henrian and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Ford has put the stock back in stock car, and now you can register for your chance to be Ford Performance's VIP guest and watch the NASCAR Next Gen Mustang hit the track for the first time in 2022. One grand prize winner and their guest will receive a trip for two to Daytona Beach with VIP access. Ford Performance driver meet and greets, round trip airfare, and more. Register now through November 7th at FordNextGen.com. That's FordNextGen.com. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F.com.